The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. All right, I am Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates and the Shiawassee Six. Throwing the six sign out there. What a week, huh? Sometimes these weeks, man, they just build up and crazy things happen. We're going to talk about Shiawassee a little bit right now. And I feel things are different right now. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. Let me tell you guys, when I started working, take cases in Shiawassee. There was such a community type of feel. I've never been in a more professional court in my life. People, it was welcoming, and the court has always been great. Judge Stewart has taught me so much. I think Matthew Stewart's the best circuit court judge in the state of Michigan. I learned from Scott Corner when he was a defense lawyer. And I watch him as an amazing prosecutor. Even when we bang heads, there's such just level of professionalism, you know? But lately, as appreciative I am of Greg Giesen's research abilities and Melissa Beerworth keeping the court running and learning from Judge Stewart and Scott Corner outside of the court, that's where things seem different right now, you know? There's like this dark cloud, and it's frustrating. When I first came to Chi-Town, there was this feeling of community, this feeling of wholeness. You go to the Comstock, have dinner with your crew, laugh, post on Facebook, and then somehow along the way, things changed. It came like this theory of people trying to set you up and backstabbing and lying about you and those enjoyable rides, they became somewhat exhausting. Like you felt so good and proud to be in the court, but outside the court, you always felt like it was a war zone for some reason. What happened to Shiawassee? I can't express enough how the pulse of the people, it just changed. It is like, here's this amazing court, and here's this amazing level of professionalism in the legal system, but outside of that, there is this level of social media drama like I have never seen. And guys, let me be real. I work in Detroit. I work in Ann Arbor. I'm in 17 counties. I have never seen more negative stuff on social media I have in Shiawassee County, and that's sad to me. Look at all the brilliance there is in Shiawassee. You got the best circuit court. You got a great district court. You got a friend of the court that's looking to help people. But then, you have these, what I call, keyboard warriors. You have these people, like D. Black, fake profiles. You got... The Board of Commissioners looking more like a reality show. And I don't get it. 
why is there not... I guess here's the best way to put it. Why can't we adopt what the court does into everyday society in Shiawassee? Look at the standard the circuit court has and look at the drama outside of that circuit court. Why is there not enough unity in this community? I love Chi-Town. I think Chi-Town's helped me grow as a lawyer and more importantly grow as a person. And the people that I'm connected to in Shiawassee, the Mike McCotneys, the Joe Abaras, the Josh Champlines, Sue Wrights, I mean, these are the people to me that, you know, they're friends for life, we're bonded. But then there's this deep-seated trauma. Fake profiles and lies and rumors and all sorts of other bullshit, which I just don't get. It's almost like a scene from Mean Girls. There's like this group of people that hate life. And their whole purpose is to try to destroy people, making up lies. Where the f*** is the unity? Why are we not working as a team? Why aren't we working for the betterment of this community? Why? Why is there so much God division in Shiawassee County outside of the court system? Help me on that. I've experienced a few things the last month where I'm just sitting there like, wow. A lot of people with a lot of free time on their hands and not using it for productive reasons. And I'm sad as I'm saying this. The highlight of my week professionally when I'm in Shiawassee is going into that court. I don't stay in Shiawassee as much as I used to. I don't feel welcomed anymore. I feel like the county's taking a step back outside of the court. I just don't get it. How have things evolved into this situation? Why are we not working and bringing new income into the community? You know, my partner Matt and I, we talked about buying property in Shiawassee getting an office there, creating jobs there. And everywhere we turned, there was drama. People not want us to come in. People saying, no, we can't have that. What can't you have? Do you not want money coming into the community? Do you not want new ideas coming in? I don't understand. The reason why the 90-mile trip to the Shiawassee court always felt like a 10 minute drive is because I just felt like this is what the legal system is supposed to be. But the 90 mile drive outside of the court feels like the road to nowhere right now. When I'm leaving Chi-Town, I don't feel that welcoming feeling anymore. I don't, and you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I just, it changed. just sad man the people that say they want to make changes in Shiawassee tell me this and this goes to my enemies this goes to people that lied about me people that told me. tell me what you my enemies want can we work as a team to fix it 
can we figure out a way to bring more money into the community? Can we figure out a way to bring new jobs in? Can we take a playbook from the circuit court and rub that brush across the whole county? What do my enemies want? Can we be a team? Or do you just want to sit there and throw stones behind fake profiles? I don't understand for the life of me how bringing money into a community is a bad thing. I don't understand why we don't want to change for the better. I'll always be eternally grateful for the cases I've taken in Chi-Town. And I will always do work in that court. And the people that are my friends in my inner circle, you guys will always be my friends in the inner circle. I guess what I'm saying is outside of that, what's the point of the drama? What's the point of not working to better the community? Why are the naysayers the naysayers? Why are we spending so much time trying to cause drama instead of trying to create jobs? Why? I need answers to that. It's never felt like work in Chi-Town. And before all this drama, I would say I viewed Chiawassee as a place to me that was more powerful than Washington. And I'm so happy and so grateful to things I've learned in the court, the things I've learned from Scott Corner and Judge Stewart and that staff. But outside of that, it feels like it's a sad state of affairs right now. I don't think the people that are holding others down want what's best for Shiawassee County. I think they want what's best for their little bullshit agenda. And that is so tragic. There's more talent in Shiawassee County than there is in many metro communities. But sadly right now, guys, outside the court, the voices that are being heard or voices that are trying to silence talent. They're voices that don't care about progress. It's disheartening. It makes you think, why are we here? What's the point? I mean, any community is going to be division. Get that. But the level of deception, the effort put into holding others down, it's bullshit. To those enemies out there, I issue a challenge. Why don't we all move towards progress? Why don't we all grow the hell up? If you got an issue with me, tell me what it is. Let's talk about it. But to make stuff up online, to create deception, why? Believe me, I'm a pretty strong voice. I'll always overcome. But I'm going to get to the point when it's just like, well, I'm going to take cases there, but... Do I really want to be part 
of the drama. I don't understand what this drama is all about. Why are we working as a team? To me, with this amazing court system, can we find ways to create more jobs in this county? Bring more money into this county? And have a better presence in this county? They're my three agendas. What's yours? I don't know. That dark cloud, man, it's looming. And it's sad. Because there's so much potential. But the loudest voices are not the ones that want to exploit the potential. They're the ones that want to destroy the potential. And guys, I'll be real, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Now, here's where the other side of me is going to come out. And this has to do with some cases I'm working on right now. And this is not Shiawassee County, but it's time for criminal defendants that are falsely accused to go on the offensive. And here's what I mean by that. If you're falsely accused of a crime, <coughs> here's what you need to do. Here's your playbook. And criminal defense lawyers, pay careful attention. Because our firm's currently going to get involved in civil litigation that is a companion to criminal litigation. Number one, private polygraph. Somebody reputable. Somebody like an Andrew Longusky. Detective Andrew Longusky was head of the Michigan State Police Polygraph Unit, and it's very hard to pass this test. Take a test with Longusky. It's an easy test, but you pass that, you're showing your innocence. Number two, offer a private poly to the accuser. I'm so sick of people, especially in the Me Too movement and those who get involved in civil litigation, who want to cast lies but won't take that. If you say you were the victim of a crime, take a polygraph and prove it. Why are we taking someone's word on that? If the defendant should have to go through that dance, why shouldn't a complaining witness? Let's even the playing field. Number three, have a sexual evaluation done, especially in CSC cases. Get a trained professional to say if you're a predator or not. Four and five is where things get interesting, and pay careful attention to certain people out there. Do not be afraid to civilly sue the prosecutor's office for malicious prosecution. It's a tough hurdle, but I am so sick of certain prosecuting offices that bring bullshit charges, that encourage liars, sue their ass. And the Attorney General will try to protect them, but it's time to hold certain prosecutors accountable. If a prosecutor brings a case based upon media drama. You need to call their ass out for it. And by the way, there's a couple cases we're about to do that. So tune in on that one. And finally, bring civil litigation against the complaining witness. I'm so sick of us believing alleged victims at their word. 
How many times are we going to allow a criminal defendant to be falsely accused of something? They got to fight back. They got to sue for defamation. They have to stand strong. Bring the defamation suit. Try to get criminal charges pressed against the accuser who may be falsely accusing you. Fight back. Guys, it's time to put the offense in defense. It's time for defense lawyers to do something cutting edge. And this is the deal. And I'm going to quote Moneyball. The first one through the wall always has blood on their nose. I'm going through the goddamn wall. It's going to be my mission. I don't care how much money we make or don't make on it. That when I see a frivolous allegation... I'm not only going to defend the party on the defense front. I'm going to turn that defendant into a civil plaintiff. It's time to raise some hell. It's time to fight back. It's time to get off our ass and just accepting the consequences of the powers that be and show the powers that be they're in for a god war. In for a god war. You lie about my client. I'm going to hang you. I'm going to make your life a living hell in the legal system. And that's not a threat. That's a promise. Bill Amadeo, I approve this. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Tonight we're going to tell three um, short stories from my past. One will be the college debate tournament. George Mason University. Those were the days. And then Union Trip going wrong. Weird days. Then we're going to talk about a Village Green Singles Party. Josh Woodman, Allie Pertel. You guys remember those parties, right? <clears throat> the unique stories here will be one will be from college, one will be when I couldn't get into law school, and then one will be in law school. Let's start with the college debate tournament at Stockton, the forensic team. Chuck McGeever was the coach. And many of you have heard me talk about Chuck McGeever. Where's my football? Oh, by the way, I'm coming off like this flu thing and I'm exhausted from work. So if I'm weirder than usual, yeah, just bear with it. Even. So we're going to this tournament at George Mason University. And nobody from Stockton had ever won any awards in this tournament. And here's Chuck McGeever. He's the coach. <clears throat> and Chuck is saying, hey... These are different people up there. But we got to bring home hardware. We got to bring home hardware. He had me all pumped up. Like, nobody in the history of Stockton, from what I was told, had one of these debate tournaments, and I had to bring a trophy home for Stockton. The pride for Carol Vernales and Dave D'Alessio and Chuck McGeever, the communications department. Now, there's a psychological study with those three, but we'll leave that alone for right now. And Chuck's training me, and I'm going on my own thing, and we get to this tournament. Now, when you drove up 
to Fairfax, Virginia, you had this old Stockton van, and Chuck would always drive. And the stories they would tell the team, and there were other people on the team, I won't mention the names, but these stories were so boring, man. I mean, what these people thought was cool was not a member of something. I'm an Atlantic City kid. I'm bartending in the casino. And Chuck is telling me these people are wild up here. A different type of wild. But they are the best of the best academically. You have this gift, Bill. When you speak, people listen. If we could bring home a trophy, this will help me get tenure. Okay. A few weird things about that was um, on these trips, they were long trips. They used to drink a lot of water on these trips. Say, so, hey, I gotta use the bathroom. And Chuck would be like, well, no, no, it's okay. We have this catheter. You could just piss in there. And I'm like, Chuck, there's people here. Like, I'm not alone. And he'd get really pissed off. We'd stop somewhere so I could urinate, which I thought was kind of weird, but okay. We get up to this tournament. And all I see is a group of academic geeks. And when you're thinking of academic geeks, you know, look it up. This is who was at these tournaments. And I went and I performed, and we won like third place or something, and we win a trophy for Stockton. Woohoo. Everybody's so excited, right? And I'm sitting there pissed off I didn't win first place, but I got third in, these, in like two different categories. Chuck was happy to put on his resume now that one of his players won at these tournaments. And with these tournaments comes the after party. Now the after parties, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a drinker. I don't smoke. I don't use drugs. But the after parties were somewhat fascinating. Like these intelligent geeks would get together have a glass of wine, tell intellectual jokes, which while I understood them weren't funny, and this is what's gonna happen. Now, Chuck had a weird request. He wanted me to bring one of my trophies down. So we're at the bar. I bring my trophy down, and Chuck wanted me to pour cranberry juice into this trophy and take a picture to show the rest of the communications department. Okay, so we're trying to pour this cranberry juice in there. All these geeks are drunk. And these two girls come up to me. And they go to George Mason University. They said, hey, you did really good today. Now, Chuck's a little jealous. I don't know he's in love with me at that point. That was a story from another time. So you've heard, but he's getting pissed off. These college girls are making a move on me. I'm a college guy. And the one girl who won tournament after tournament says to me, I'm going to be real with you. We get really drunk and wild at these parties. So stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know what this means, but I have an idea what drunk and wild means. And remember, guys, everything is so subjective. So this one girl, after her second glass of Chardonnay, she taps and goes, here it comes. Now I'm thinking they're going to do some crazy stuff, right? Their idea of crazes was playing on this piano. And they're dancing to the Barbie song, Come On Barbie, Let's Go Party. And the guys are dancing around like this thing and taking off their um, ties and swinging around. 
and I'm sitting there with my cranberry juice next to my drunk coach and these other geeks on the team. I'm the only sober one in this group while these brains are sitting there singing the Barbie song. And that was, um, okay. I didn't really get it. Union parties were a little different. I'm going to tell this one story. About 98 or 99, I'm a kid. I'm graduated from Stockton now. And uh, I'm not getting into law school yet. And Bob McDevitt, he's still the president of the union. He had all the shop chairmen and a bunch of shop stewards go to this event in North Jersey. Union events were basically an invitation for people to get drunk on a union credit card. It was very odd. And people that you thought were ass sober, imagine getting them some drinks in them. And what they did was put in rooms of two. Now I'm in this weird part of North Jersey, like backwoods stuff, right? And I'm miserable. I'm not in law school, and I was asked to give a speech. So I gave this speech, and it went over really well. And people are like congratulating me and saying, boy, imagine where you're going to be 20 years from now. You're going to be president of this union. Oh, God. And all I'm thinking is, how the hell am I not in goddamn law school at this point? But I'm on this trip, trying to be nice, trying to make the most of things. I go up to my room. In my room was a shop steward from another property. I was at Tropicana. What they did was call these properties. The casinos were properties. And it was a way for you to meet your fellow shop stewards, the male and female leaders in the casino. I knew this guy a little bit. He was weird. Now I'm sitting in my room watching the E! True Hollywood story of different strokes. This is before DVR, right? I just want to watch this. And I'm chilling watching it. And he's on the phone yelling and screaming and crying. Annoying as shit, right? So he comes to the room. My part of the room, I should say. And he starts crying his eyes out. My girlfriend left me, blah, blah, blah. His girlfriend was a cocktail waitress on her property. She was also a shop steward. And luckily for me, they're on this trip together, right? She's in one room, he's in my room, and he's crying his eyes out. I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, look man, I'm really sorry. There's other women out there, things are gonna be fine. Like, come on, let's go down the bar and have a cocktail. Now I'm sitting here like, dude, I'm really trying to watch the E! True Hollywood story of different strokes. I want to see what happens with these people. He won't leave me alone. He tortures me. So he wrecks the show, right? Hey, Tommy. So I go down the bar with him. Now understand something. I always have found it fascinating being the one sober person in the room. You know, when you are that sober individual... And everybody around you getting drunk. Fascinating stuff. But we go down to the bar. So he sees his recently ex-girlfriend at the bar. And she's talking to two guys and flirting hard. And he's losing his shit. He goes, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. I'm like, 
you don't have to do anything. You have to sit here, enjoy your drink, watch a game or whatever, and move on. Go talk to somebody else. Now, what he was thinking of doing, I don't know, but it wasn't going to be good. So he's crying at the bar. I'm like, stop. There's no crying in baseball, right? Like, Jesus Christ, dude. Man up. Be a man. Stop crying. Well, in walks these two couples. Now, I don't know them. They're locals, but they are also union members, like our sister, you know, whatever. This one stuff gets weird. They come up to us like, hey, you're Bill Amadeo. I saw your speech today. Like, oh, yeah, hey, how's it going? I'll buy you guys a drink. So I buy them a drink. And my friends cry like, hey, what's wrong? Blah, blah, blah. Like, why don't we all go back to our place? Let's hang out. Now, the last thing I want to do is leave this um, hotel. Here's why. I got a cell phone. It's like 1998, right? You can't like look stuff up online. I'm in the backwoods somewhere, and I don't know if there's gonna be cabs around. I don't want to get stuck with a bunch of drunken ass. Um, somehow we get told about Gross Point Blank, and I'll always be bitter at John Cusack about this. You ever watch the movie Gross Point Blank? One of these people says to me, they have Gross Point Blank at their house. Now, I was always somewhat street smart, right? Part of me is saying, do not go to this house. Another part is like, well, how bad could it be? They're going to have Gross Point Blank on. I'll enjoy the movie. We end up going back to their house. Now, when I say their house, this is some backwoods stuff, right? There's not a cab in sight, all right? This is not Atlantic City. And I'm thinking, okay, my cell phone's going to die. Before we left... I asked one of the couples, do you guys have a landline? Because I'm thinking, well, shit, if things go wrong, I'll dial 411. I'll get a cab somehow, some way. Yeah, yeah, we got a landline. So I'm sitting here in the middle of nowhere, and out comes the weird party stuff. They are chopping up lines of cocaine, rolling up pot, Drinking like fish. My friend that's crying is high. My friend, if you want to call him that. I'm sitting there sober as a church mouse thinking, oh, this is not good. So I said, so, where's that gross point blank film? There's no gross point blank. I was deceived. And I'm sitting there like, okay, here's the landline. My cell phone's dead. How do I get the hell away from these idiots? And they had this pink landline. And I say to one of the guys, so you got a pink phone, huh? He's like, yep. I got a pink phone. And he looks at this woman who is his friend's wife. And she grabs his hand while she's high and drunk and says, yeah, you got a pink phone, don't you? Mm-hmm. Now I'm watching these two converse about the pink phone. That pink phone's my salvation, right? I'm going to be really cool about things. I'm going to call 411, get a goddamn cab. I'm going to get out of here. My cell's dead, but here's the landline. I'm good to go. These two are having a moment while their other significant others are, like, 
doing lines and stuff like that. I'm so relieved there's this pink phone. Well, the guy who's touching his friend's wife's hand and bragging about the pink phone, his wife overhears it. So she goes, oh, you like that pink phone? And I'm just looking, oh, that's a nice phone. She takes a baseball bat. Now, where the bat came from, I don't even know. Suddenly she pulled out of her purse, so it was weird. And she smashes the phone into a million pieces. And I'm just like, huh. Well, this is not good. Now the phone's gone. So I'm sitting here with no cell phone service. The phone's dead. They're having a lover's quarrel. This crazy woman's smashing the phone. And I'm sitting here, like, trying to watch one of their four channels they got. Thinking, how the hell do I get out of here now? Do I just start walking? I don't know where I'm at. I'm with people I don't know. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I got no cell service. This crazy chick smashed the pink phone. But, okay. There's drugs everywhere. I excuse myself to use the bathroom. Things are calming down. I go to the bathroom. I hear like these moans coming out of the other room. Well, the guy that was depressed, one of these guys' wives is making him feel better. They're hooking up in this room. And I'm like, this is not good. I want to get killed tonight. I got the one guy, they're all high. The phone service is gone. The one guy's hooking up with this other guy's wife. They don't even know each other. This is going to be like a bad headline, like a union party going wrong. I leave the party. There's like a bus that's coming by. And I'm sitting on like this corner waiting for a god bus. The bus was going back to the direction of the hotel. I talked to the bus driver and I got the hell out of there. That was the last local 54 party event I ever went to. But in law school, what they used to have at Village Green, and Josh, and I hope you're tuning in on this one, or you will tune in. Singles night at Village Green. Mm. Let me tell you, there's only three reasons you go to singles night at Village Green. One, desperation. Number two, you want to piss somebody off. Like you want your ex-girlfriend to know you're there. Or three, you're actually trying to see somebody. Like Jill from 3A. She doesn't go anywhere. You only see her in school, but she goes to the Village Green singles parties. Okay. So, I'm going to go there to see the Jill from 3A chick. And I go with Joe Andrews and Brian Largy. Brian Largy is a great guy. Maybe a congressman one day in Jersey. Joe Andrews, he was kind of my roommate in college. You've heard some things. Not much nice to say about Joe Andrews, but we're friends at this point. We're going to go to this party. At this point of the game, we're kind of in bar prep, right? So my whole life is school, prepping for the bar, and I start playing softball. Now, softball was strange. There was this one guy, and Phillips Greeners, you know I'm told about, Quiznos Dan. Quiznos Dan would be at every game. He worked at Quiznos, his name was Dan. 
And he used to make fun of you when you did something wrong. And I remember I had this one game. I was studying hard for the bar, and we had a doubleheader. I went 0 for 7. I got killed pitching, and I made, like, two errors. And Danny said this weird voice, ah, ha, ha. He said, Pitcher's got a rubber arm. So he would make fun of me. Now, I was always nice to Quiznos, Dan. I'd buy him hot dogs and soda, but he's mocking the hell out of me. And this guy is, like, heckling me. This is, like, the 2006 version of trolling. And he is in my face telling me I have a rubber arm, and Quiznos, they won't leave me the hell alone. I go to school the next day, and we had these meetings with these deans at Cooley. And this is where things get a little strange. We'll go to the singles night momentarily. So, they're telling these people how they did on their bar essays. And the bar exam essays would be indicative of how you would do on the bar. And when you went to meet with the deans at Cooley, it would be a one-at-a-time thing. So I'm seeing these people come in and out of the dean's office. One would come in, they'd be crying and running out. One come in, they'd be crying and leaving out. So what the deans were telling many of these people were, you weren't going to pass the bar. This was it for you. Now, a couple things about that. Number one, who the hell is the dean to tell you that? They're not sitting taking that bar with you. And number two, it was very weird. After spending three years of hard financial aid, they'd be discouraging you instead of trying to improve things. So it's my turn to go in. And I'm not in a good mood. I'm pissed about Quiznos Dan. And one of the deans, I won't mention her name, says to me, well, I read your essays. Your essays are amazing. You are going to pass the bar in the first try. We have no doubt about it. You're scoring off the charts. How do you feel about this? Oh, yeah, I worked hard, I'm glad. Thank you. You don't seem excited. You're one of the first people today we told that they're going to kill the bar exam and you're really upset about it. I'm not upset. I mean, I'm glad my essays are good. I'm just not in a great mood today. Oh, what's wrong? Well, there's this guy named Quiznos Dan and he was watching my softball game list. I had a really bad game and Quiznos Dan's making fun of me. So rubber arm, I have a good arm. So Dean's pretty much convinced right now I'm crazy, right? Like here we are. This Amadeo guy, he's killing the essays on the bar exam, but he's pissed about this guy named Quiznos Dan who lives at Village Green. I'm still annoyed about Quiznos Dan. I spent a lot of time playing softball getting better to prove Quiznos Dan wrong. That's another issue. So we're going to the Village Green single party that night. And me and Largie and Joe Andrews talk about how the bar is coming around and we're all looking good to pass the bar and at the Village Green Singles Party, who's there? Quiznos Dan. Ha ha ha, you got a rubber arm. Like, that son of a bitch. Screw you, Quiznos Dan. I'm like all pissed off sitting there drinking my bottle of water. Quiznos Dan's making fun of me. Joe Andrews used to have like this water bottle. It was filled with vodka. I never realized it, but the more he would suck on the water, the weirder he would get. So Joe Andrews is... He's weird to begin with, okay? And Joe, if you're watching this, I don't really care. You're a strange individual. But there's this couple there. And this girl's pregnant. And this guy's talking to her. And Joe, feeling the vodka muscles, decides to go up to them. Like, what are you doing? Why are you interfering in her conversation? I'm just going to stay what's on my mind. 
So Joe goes up to this couple, this perceived couple, and says, Yeah, you can see how you two are really feeling each other. You got that deep connection. And she's like, Oh, no, 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 he's just my friend. And Joe's like, Ah, come on, you don't have to say anything, even though it's singles night. You guys are really together and you love each other. I could see it. So then the girl's boyfriend, who's not the guy she's talking to, comes up. It's like, actually, I'm her boyfriend and the father of her child-to-be. So you're right, she is feeling this guy, and I'm pissed off about it. Quiznos Dan walks up, and he goes, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Quiznos Dan is pissed off. He's stirring it up. Joe is being awkward. I'm still pissed off that Quiznos Dan's making fun of my softball abilities, but very happy about my bar exams. Brian Largy's just sitting there like, making the situation worse. It was really... <laughs> I'm not happy that Quiznos Dan mocked my arm. I'm still pissed off about that. Okay, look, guys. In life we need balance, right? I'm very happy with my academic success or whatever, but I gotta tell you, having somebody who mocks your soulful ability when you're studying for multiple war exams is enough to send you over the edge. So what I've learned from this is those debate tournaments, what wild girls means is singing karaoke on the piano. Union is bizarre. And when you're studying for the bar, you're on edge. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. I'm going back to Shiawassee for a second jail visit yesterday. I am. I'm exhausted. I'm like doing a Zoom in the car. Um, sucking down pills, you know, I'm like taking Dayquil so I, to help the sore throat and try to stay up. But I got to go visit this kid. And GPS takes me somewhere else. It takes me my not my normal route to Shy Town. And I'm driving, and I see like this garage sale, and I'm pumped, right? <clears throat> what I could tell. Is there's all these sport there's all this sports memorabilia there. And this was some cool stuff. You can tell it was old school stuff. And in the corner of my eye, I see a box of 8081 tops basketball. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit. Because the PSA 10 Larry Bird Magic Johnson rookie from P um from 8081 Tops is worth eight hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. And I'm seeing all this, like, Joe Montana memorabilia from the 80s. And, like, you're driving, but it feels like you're going in slow motion. And I'm torn right now. Aaron, wait for it. <laughs> wait for it. So, I want to go shopping. I got cash in the car. I want to buy some old baseball cards. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. And this guy, it's got like these tables out there. Like he's just waiting. And for some reason, nobody's there. Okay. All right, Bill. The right thing to do is do your jail visit. Go visit your client's family. That's what you were there to do. You pushed through sickness to do this. And 
those cards will be there on the way back out of town. So I do the visit. I'm being really diligent. I'm all pumped up because I'm thinking to myself, the jail visit went great. The PSI's strong. The family's happy. Things are going good. Even though I'm sick and I'm dragging ass, I'm pumped up. I'm going back for these baseball cards, right? So I'm slowly rolling up on this guy's house. And I beat the horn. Hey! <laughs> I jump out of the car. I'm calling a friend of mine. There's a box of 8081 Tops basketball at this guy's house. Holy shit. He's saying the bird, the Johnson. I'm so pumped up. So I go up to him. I said, hey, what's going on? He goes, hey, how you doing? So I'm like, I look at your stuff. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, whatever. And he's looking back at his house. He's pissed off. He's like cursed at somebody in the house. I'm like, all right, I don't know what's going on. So he's got like this box of basketball cards, which is like the holy grail, right? And it's hidden under a bunch of other stuff. And then there's these Joe Montana rookies. He's got like a few of them. All in their glass cases. <clears throat> so I said to him, I want to I want to look at those 8081 Tops basketball cards, but how much for the Montanas? I want to buy all three of them. And he screams at me, You asshole, these aren't for sale! I'm like, what are you talking about? Because my wife kicked me out and she put all my stuff out on the street. <laughs> and he's concerned it's going to rain. So we engage in this conversation. I'm like, but when she put your stuff out, it looked like a garage sale. Like, the cards are all set up. He goes, oh, well, she had a lot of free time on her hands. It was really... <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I tried to explain to the man that, listen, this is, like, not a great part of Shiawassee, okay? That box of basketball cards there could be, wait for it, Aaron, I did leave it in my car, could be worth a lot of money. And he says to me, well, I have a lot of family that's in trouble with the law, and I know who you are, can I have your business card, maybe we can make some trades? So, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, um, good luck with everything. And I'm like calling him like a stalker on the way home, hey, do anything with those cards yet? This is not going to be a five-star Google review. He's going to be saying that that weird lawyer came up to my house, tried to solicit my cards, and then kept calling me. I mean, I called this guy like a few times on the way home. Hey, buddy, what's going on with those cards? You doing anything? Anyway, so apparently um, the wife, she um, put all his stuff out, make it look like a garage sale. They're having some problems. Um... I did say, you know, we could always work something out for the cards, and he, I think, kind of turned them off. So, yeah, that was the um, fake garage sale in Shiawassee. But, gosh, you had to see it, right? I mean, he, she laid the stuff out perfectly. Like, I, I dated my share of crazy women, right? And I, I think to myself, they would just burn the cards. I mean, this woman laid out there like it was a garage sale. The Montanas were here. The 8081 Tops basketball was there. It was a very weird array of collectibles. But, um, yeah, that's what happened. Okay. Now, let's move on to jobs I didn't get. 
Live audience is cracking me up a little bit. We were going through um, it's a list here of jobs that I did not get prior to my current position in life. And boy, you know, sometimes, sometimes, no, Aaron, there was no sign saying garage sale, but why would it all be laid out there? Come on. It was, anybody would have thought that was a garage sale. I keep running out with cash. Hey, let's talk. It was a table, right? He had the cards on the table. Damn. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.